Thanks a million for tuning in to Shoot the Breeze with Alexandre Marie. I'm your host, Alexandre Marie. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Alexandre Marie underscore talks. That's Alexandre, A L E X A N D R E Marie, M A R I E underscore talks, T A L K S, on Instagram as well as on Facebook. Shoot the Breeze with Alexandre Marie is a podcast for the people by the people. I want you guys to feel as if we're on the phone. As if we're just two friends, chilling, relaxing, getting to know one another. And when I have a guest on, just imagine it's another friend with us. It's not going to be crazy formal, though I will have certain distinguished guests, such as doctors, councilmen, councilwomen, But before they get on, I'm going to let them know it's okay to let your guard down. Please be sure to follow, subscribe, listen, download on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Dizzer, and more. Truth the Breeze with Alexandria Marie is on 18 major music and podcast platforms. For a list, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Alexandre hyphen Marie, or you can go on my Instagram, Alexandre Marie underscore talks, click highlights and actually see all 18 music and podcast platforms. Again, thanks a million for tuning in. I hope you like the show. So today on Shoot the Breeze with Alexandra Marie, we will be joined by Renee of Everyday Girls Cosmetics. Now, I love this company. I love this brand and what they stand for. Uh, It's a new brand, but the reason why I personally love this company and this brand is for twofold. One, they are black women owned and two, it's a new company and they are already um, helping out the community. So Everyday Girl Cosmetics is involved with this organization where I think it's like a community outreach kind of organization. Renee will let us know a little bit more about what they do. But for a company that's just up and coming, you know, you want to put your money into marketing, you want to put your money into building your team, you want to put money back into your pockets, right? You're not really thinking of giving back to the community, at least not a lot of up and coming companies. That's not what they're thinking. Hell, a lot of companies that's been around and solid don't even do that. So I find it to be a beautiful thing that she already is putting it out there that I'm going to give back to the community because the community is what's building me. 
So that's uh, why I love this company and I love this brand and what they stand for. They have lashes, they have lip gloss, and now I think they have like a palette of eyeshadow. They are really building. Um, and again, slow and steady wins the race. That's what I, I believe in. If you want to do something and you want to do it right, you don't want to rush into anything. You want to take your time with it. And we'll learn from her all the trials and tribulations that she had to go through if she is continuously going through any when it comes to building her cosmetic brand and business. So please stay tuned for my phone interview with Renee of Everyday Girls Cosmetics. We are joined by Renee of Everyday Girl Cosmetics. So, Renee, what's up? Hi, thank you so much. Um, you know, for taking the time out to speak with uh, speak with me regarding Everyday Girl Cosmetics. Um, this is a new, you know, new cosmetic company out there, and you know, I know the market's kind of saturated with you know beauty brands and things like that but we what makes us stand out is the fact that we actually work with other women and um you know we actually give back to to the community so that's what really you know gives uh, you know makes us stand out compared to all the other beauty brands out there definitely definitely i know when i came across you guys it was a, a few months ago Mm -hmm. and this was on my other Instagram page. And I just loved everything about you guys. The fact that you're black owned, the fact that you guys are partnered. I think it's with this community outreach program for young yes. girls. Yes. Yes. So we're partnered with um, Pink Lily right now. And um, they are a nonprofit organization that helps young women uh, and single mothers. Um, we actually just finished doing a uh, like a food drive with them, um, just serving oh, one good. of the underprivileged shelters in Brooklyn, New York. So, you know, we try to, you know, we, of course, we collaborate with them with ever with um, whatever events they have going on. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we always try to help them bring awareness to whatever they have going on, like I said, well, and like I said before, but we also, you know, we want to make people in the community aware of this organization, just because they're not, you know, they're not a big organization. They're very small, but they, you know, a small organization such as this one, they definitely do, um, you know, pack a punch and they, they bring a lot to the table. They actually work with um, one of the Brooklyn senators, um, Kevin, uh, Kevin, um, Kevin Johnson, I believe his last name is. Um, so, you know, they're very hands on and they really, you know, try to get as much, you know, influential people in the community that can actually help, you know, involved in everything that they're working on. I love that. I love hearing that we got our sisters out there, not just opening up businesses or starting a business, but actually giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of us are doing that. Can you let us know how you and that um, not organization got together? How did that work out? Um, so funny story. Uh, my mother is actually a financial advisor. So she works a lot within the, um, the community trying to get, um, you know, give financial advice to, of course, you know, um, African-Americans. 
So she was actually the person who put me in contact with um, Rochelle, which is actually the person who started Pink Lily. So she put me in um, contact with Rochelle. She told me about the organization. She was, um, she had what it stood for. And then um, one day me and Rochelle just met up, you know, had a conversation about, you know, everyday girl cosmetics, where we're going, where we're trying to go. And then she, of course, told me about um, Pink Lily and everything they stood for and what they've been doing and what they plan on doing in the future. So I just thought it was, you know, it was a perfect, uh, it was a perfect idea for, you know, us to just team up and try to tackle every, you know, tackle, you know, everything we can. So that's actually how I, uh, how I actually met with uh, the, the creators of Pink Lily. Right, right. So how would you define success? Um, for me, success is just accomplishing a goal that I had in mind. Um, you know, everybody's idea of success is different. Um, when it came to Everyday Girl, for me, it was success was me launching Everyday Girl. Um, I was actually working with Everyday, like working on the concepts and everything for over three years. And um, at the beginning, yeah, it was it was a while, you know, um, at the beginning of I'm sorry, at the end of 2018, because it's 2019 now, um, at the end, towards the end of 2019, I put it, you know, I put it, I spoke it out there, said, I'm I've done everything I can and how I want to line up, you know, everyday girls, everyday girls cosmetics, and I'm going to fully launch it in um, in 2019. At first, you know, I had a couple of setbacks where it kept my um, launch date kept getting delayed. It kept getting delayed. And it was fine because I didn't want to rush anything. I wanted everything to come out how I wanted it to be perfect. I wanted everybody to to see, you know, not only me trying to because I don't want I don't want anything to come off selling. You know, I want people right. to know that. This is a product that, yes, I use. Um, I'm my own guinea pig, you know? So if I'm going to use it, I wouldn't tell anybody to use something that I wouldn't use. This is, you know, these are all stuff that I use. I can definitely vouch for them before, you know, putting it out there. So, you know, I was working, like I said before, I was working on this for a very long time. I said I was going to, you know, launch it in, tw in 2019. And that's what I did. So that was my success for Everyday Girl. Um, you know, 2020, I definitely have more goals for Everyday Girl. And it's, um, it's slowly but surely, you know, picking up, of course, with any, any line, um, you, you definitely have to have a large backing. And um, I'm definitely working on that with Everyday Girl Cosmetics right now from, you know, getting more, um, uh, like, beauty influencers involved, um, getting more press for everyday girls, being at more events, and just trying to push it out as much as possible. Because, you know, everybody loves the concept of something, uh, of, you know, of everyday girls. So I just want everybody to be more aware of it and let and that was the the struggle I, I think I was having um, starting it, just trying to portray it as a, a brand that gives back rather than just a brand that's selling you a product, you know. So, so um, 2020, I'm definitely gonna have you know higher goals for you know everyday girl cosmetics, and I just I'm, I'm more than confident that those goals would definitely be achieved because I'm putting it out there right now. Of course, you got to speak it into the universe and you got to believe in it and then put the effort behind it and it will come to you full force. 
Exactly, exactly. So that's exactly what I'm doing for Everyday Girl um, 2020. We actually did a commercial um, in, back in September that hasn't been, you know, launched yet. I've still been debating with myself whether or not. Oh, because I was like, girl, I didn't see no commercial because, you know, I'm a supporter. Not only that, but I'm an ambassador and I didn't see no commercials because I would have sure had that on my Instagram. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because with um, the holidays coming up, I was debating, do we want to push it out for the holidays and then have a big, you know, big shebang 2020 where you're just going out full throttle. It's like, it's a lot of back and forth right now. Um, I, I really do believe that I'm going to end up pushing it before, um, you know, around Christmas time. So hopefully you know, everything works out in that is um and we we are able to do that so but of course i wanted to get as much um recognition as possible and that's why i've been kind of holding back on it because we are doing um some press right now so i want to be able to you know get it to a certain amount of people and then push it so of course you need a lot of marketing behind it so we're kind of trying to weigh out everything before we kind of um put it out there that's not a problem. Take your time. You know, you don't want to rush anything and any kind of process. And you got to listen to your intuition. So if your intuition is telling you to pull back, then you know what? Exactly. Wait until you got everything good. Exactly. So how, how did you know when you had the right idea for Everyday Girl Cosmetics? So to be completely honest, I never knew that I had the right idea until I actually... <laughs> Um, you know, spoke, like, talk to other people about it. Because even when I was, I discussed it with my mother when I first started, she's like, um, Renee, why are you starting a beauty brand? You know, there's so many other cosmetic lines out there. And you know, because, um, you know, you were a brand ambassador when we just, just started launching that at the beginning, we only had lashes. So at right. that time, of course, it's a highly saturated market where everyone is selling lashes. So I didn't want, you know, everyday girl to get, get put into a category where we only sell lashes because that's that's what we started out as doing. We're definitely right now we have um, lip glosses, we have um, eyeshadows, and of course we do have lashes, but we're expanding. And that's the, that was the plan to expand and get more and more, um, more items out to the public. But of course, you know, everything takes time and I'm fine with, um, you know, taking time, but um, just to, like uh, go back to what I was saying before, I wanted to make sure that everyday girl was not, you know, the same. So it, it was kind of hard for me in the beginning trying to differentiate, you know, trying to put the two as this is not a brand that uh, is here to sell a product rather than this is a brand that, yes, we're here to sell a product, but we're also here to, you know, bring awareness because that was the reason why I started Everyday Girl Cosmetics. I was obsessed with beauty products. I would walk into Sephora and to Mac and literally I would go into the Mac counter and I'm sure every other female has this problem and end up walking away with spending like 80 to hundred dollars on stuff that just sits on your countertop. And I never hear anything about, you know, Mac giving back to the, at least my community are, you know, women in general, yet still they're billion trillion dollar company, you know, and other, there are a lot of you know, a lot of beauty brands like that. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, why am I going to keep spending money in a company that doesn't even give back or help my people? Um, you know, so I rather, you know, create my own company where it's combining two things that I love to do. I love to help, um, you know, people because we, you know, when we, we tend to forget 
or not even think about, you know, the underprivileged people because we're so fortunate mm -hmm. or we're in better position. So we never think about, you know, people that aren't doing as well as us, you know. So it allowed me to put two things that I, I, I love together, beauty and um, philanthropy. So that's really where the whole everyday girl cosmetics thought came up about. Okay. So how about your team? How did you go about building your team? So my team, we're still actually, I'm still actually building a team. Um, oh, it, okay. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's super hard because um, you have to find people that see your vision and understand that, you know, it's a team effort. And, you know, if one person does something good for the whole group, no matter how big or small it is, we are all winning rather than somebody that has uh, one agenda in mind. So the team aspect, you know, still building on a team. But right now I do have a partner um, that we bounce ideas back and forth on. And, you know, I'm kind of doing everything at this, at this point which is, it's kind of hectic because of course, you know, I have everyday girl cosmetics and then I have a regular, you know, regular job. So me finding balance is, you know, it's kind of hard, but at the same time, I know it's something I have to do if I know, if I want, um, you know, everyday girl to be successful. So the team aspect is still building. Um, I would definitely say, tell people not to be discouraged if they don't have a full-on team at the beginning, because of course it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to find people that see your vision, you know, um, especially when you're a new company, there's not that much funds coming um, coming in. So you you have the, the, um, the people that you bring on your team have to understand that at first it's just going to be, it's all about the hustle, um, and, you know, maybe in a year or two, that's when, you know, you'll start generating real income. But like I said, that that's going to be kind of hard um, when you have when you tell people about something. The first thing they think is because you started a company. Oh, my gosh, you have so much money. And that's not necessarily the case because they forget to think that you put a lot of money into it. So right now you're trying to get that money back. Plus, you know. Right, Especially right. with um with everyday girl, like for instance, I've been trying to reach out to um you know some influencers, and you would think that uh, the message behind it, like I have reached out to some, which um you know this one girl, she was really you know very open to it and didn't mind about it. It's fine. Um, where they'll charge you uh, arm and a leg, and without thinking, without even you know realizing. And yeah, of course, we don't mind, you know, paying you for your, your you know, your influence because, of course, that, that's your job. So it's a process. <laughs> no, no, no. For sure, I believe it. Trust me, I definitely um, believe it. But it's very odd that these influencers, I mean, it is, you know, you're giving something, they're giving something, it's a give or take kind mm -hmm. of um, situation. But two thousand dollars, like it's wow. yeah, it's it's honestly it's ridiculous. Um, and a lot of them don't even have like real major platforms. But but right. how social media is set up now, everyone feels like you know they're that person, and mm. they're really not that person. But you know, I can't knock somebody for what their price is. I will just you know, I'll bow grace 
relief to it. Because besides Everyday Girl, um, I actually started off in PR. And um, being a publicist, I always knew that when I told somebody my rates, I don't want anybody to challenge me on it, try to tell me or try to get a discount out of it. It's just, it, it's just not going to work. So when they tell me a price, it's either I can work with it or I can't. And then I'll just move on. I'll just know in my head that, you know, this person, I can't work with this person because of X, Y, and Z. And they didn't take into consideration, you know, the fact that we are working with a nonprofit organization that not only is going to help our brand if you work with us, but it's going to help your brand as well, you know? So, uh, you know, it kind of, it's an eye opener, you know, this whole process really. I see. I mean, that to me, you know, I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking of Fashion Nova. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people may not know how Fashion Nova started. So if you don't know, mm-hmm. let me educate you guys a little bit. So that's why when you said $2,000 for um, influencers, I was quite taken back. Because mm-hmm. the way Fashion Nova started, we give you free product, right I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you promote our product. And mm-hmm. you get like a code or whatever the case is. And if you get a certain amount of people using your code. And it's not just Fashion Nova, like I'm an ambassador for a lot of other brands and that's how it is. It's like, mm-hmm. we give you free products or we give you a big discount on the product. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how big or small you are, if you are getting like people to buy your um, products using my discount code, that's how you get some money back. So for, so for, it's not like, you know, this is a YouTube thing. You know what I'm saying? So for them mm-hmm. to have said $2,000 up front, I'm mm-hmm. sitting there like, okay. Yeah, that's why I was I was baffled as well because when we started searching for brand ambassadors, that's what we were doing. You know, we we're like, okay, yeah, thank you so much for your interest um, with working, want to work with Everyday Girl Cosmetics. We don't mind. We'll give you 20% or whatever the percentage is um, of, you know, whatever sales you make. So if you're making a lot of sales, then that's your you know, um, that's how we're going to pay you. But to say we're going to pay you $2,000 up front and that doesn't guarantee us our $2,000 back is very baffling, you know, especially if you're not even someone of influencer that has, um, you know, millions. You're like, you know, you're in the millions, you know, um, you know uh, category. So, yeah, it's, it's very, it's all very um, baffling. The whole searching for brand ambassadors, it was, it it was a very interesting and learning, um, you know, learning mode because, you know, everyone is either looking for me to just send them, you know, free stuff without, you know, any initiative behind it. Or they're looking for, you know, some type of big payout in the beginning. And they, they don't understand that's not how it works. Um, and it's funny because if it would be, I would kind of understand if I was reaching out to you personally regarding something but if I make something general and you reach back out to me and that's how you reach out to me it's like really are you are you serious right now it's, it's kind of bad. people don't realize that fashion over has been out since 2006 they just mm-hmm. didn't get popular until 2018 2019 you know and another thing that I realized you know with starting this brand is People only want to support someone with numbers. Like numbers is really, I don't understand why numbers are so important to, you know, individuals. But if they see a new business coming out with, um, 
you know, not a lot of following or whatever the case may be. It's more so they're, they're skeptical rather than asking questions. I know with Everyday Girl, you know, every week I'll, I'll make a post where it's like, you know, talk to us, ask us questions. Let, I'm letting you know that we are real people. We're not robots. We're not scammers. Ask us a question. We'll reply back to you. We'll give you as much information as possible. We want to be involved with, you know, our supporters. We want people to ask questions about what we have going on, what we're doing, why we started. You know, so it's really up to these individuals to, you know, ask us questions. If you're following us, you're following us for a reason. So ask us a question. It's, it's really up to you. No. See, what I've noticed about people with, you know, my personal businesses in this podcast, like, girl, there are people that will come and look at your page every single day. And you know, because you have a business um, Instagram insight and your Facebook and everything, they'll come to your page every single day. They won't like it. You know, the same people will go on your stories, and you can see these people, and mm-hmm. they won't like it. They won't like it. And you know, a lot of the times, like there'll be blue check people, mm-hmm. same people, those same freaking people, and just because you don't have a blue check. Or you don't have like thousands and thousands of followers, they're not gonna show their support because they don't wanna be the ones. And I'm just thinking like that is the effed up way to think about this. It really is, honestly, it really is. Cause I've noticed it as well with um, you know, uh the everyday girl cosmetics page. And I'm just like, are you serious? This is this is ridiculous right now. This is super, you know, it's it just doesn't make any sense. Next question. Who are three people who have been the most influential? Um, in general, or when it came to the cosmetics line? When it came to the cosmetics line. Okay. Um, I won't say I have, uh, you know, a definite three people in mind, just because there are so many women um, that has been influential to me with, you know, Everyday Girl Cosmetics. And when you can tell who they are by the names, um, of the products. So every name, every product has a name of some, someone that's been influential in my life. Um, from, you know, Roxanne, the, the, the Roxanne lashes, which is my mother, who sees me. Um, I have some lashes that, you know, they're named Debbie. So literally, and that's my aunt. So literally everyone that has a name of a product has been, um, you know, influential in my life. So there's no three, but there are, you know, many. <laughs> Back in time, what would you say to your ten-year-old self? Um, back in time, I would definitely, you know, tell my my ten-year-old self, you know, to keep pushing. Uh, you know, back then, um, you know, me being a younger person, I was not as outgoing as I am today. Uh, I did not, um, you know, I didn't, I never foresee myself. You know, being the woman that I am today, so I'll definitely tell my, you know, my ten-year-old self, just keep pushing, keep your head up, um, and you know, everything else is gonna be fine. It's gonna work out. Everything in God's plan is gonna work out just fine for you. Okay. So, what is one common myth about your profession? I guess like cosmetics or field um, that you'd like to debut? Um. One myth that I would like to debuke, um, I would, hmm, what is one myth? I, honestly, 
I'd probably say that one myth is that within the cosmetic industry, um, that the people who create the products are nine times out of 10 not using the products. Um, and that is a false, uh, a false narrative, but it can also come off as a positive just because a lot of these big companies, like big cosmetic companies, um, actually started from men, ironically. <laughs> But, you know, some of the smaller ones actually are started by women uh, and they are thriving. So I definitely want to say that, um, you know, that it is you know, predominantly as of right now, it is predominantly a woman based industry where women are creating a more beauty brands rather than the men right now. This is good. We need to take back the narrative. Exactly. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue? opening up their own cosmetic line? Do your research. Research is very important. Nothing happens overnight. Like I said um, before, I, it took me three years to launch Everyday Girl. Um, and that was three years of me researching, you know, finding the right manufacturers. I didn't want any products that were tested on animals. I didn't want any products that, you know, did not have high, uh, high standards or quality that I wouldn't use per se. And that's why, you know, within those three years, I was, you know, speaking with different manufacturers, um, testing each and every single product uh, before they all launched. So any product that you've seen on the, the site for Everyday Girl Cosmetics, those are all products that I can 110%, you know, vouch for because I've used them. Okay. So what are some of the best resources that has helped you along the way? Um, best resources is definitely going to be, uh, you know, of course, the internet, <laughs> but also, you know, networking and speaking. Um, lucky for me, I was, you know, I was in public relations for a very long time. So I was able to, you know, you know, speak to other um, women within the beauty industry, uh, speak um, and get kind of get to an understanding of how they were able to run, you know, such a successful, you know, company. So, um, you know, those are two definitely things that were very important. Um, so what else would you like to tell us about Everyday Girl? You know, let us know your Facebook, let us know your Instagram, the actual um, website before we get into the podcast discussion questions. Okay, so um, everyone can follow us, Facebook and Instagram, um, Everyday Girl Cosmetics. The website is actually EDG Cosmetics. So E every day, well, E and, and every decent day, uh, G girl, um, and then spelled out the word cosmetics.com. So Renee, are you ready for some podcast I am definitely ready for some podcast discussion questions. Our first question, I actually had a poll on mm -hmm. this uh, particular question, and I was surprised by the results. So here's the question. Should Black Americans get slavery reparations? What do you think? Um, hmm. Let me think about that. I like in the you know where we're going right now. I definitely, hmm, you know what? That's a tough question. Now that I think about it, because it can go both ways. Honestly, <laughs> it's like why, 
you know, it happened, you know, every, it, it's not, it's not the people of today's fault that it happened. Um, but if it's continuing, then, then yes, you know, if it's, if it's actively happening, yes, but it's not, it's, a, it's mostly a, you know, a, a thing of the past. Um, for instance, I know that, um, some, oh, I forgot, I don't remember the exact details, but I believe um, someone was being sued because of their families being, um, had like the family was a slave master to, oh, I wish I remember the exact details, but it was crazy. And I was just like, this is 2019. Are you really gonna sue somebody for, you know, having ownership over your family back in the 1900s? Does that make any sense? You know, you can't, you know, bring things of the past, especially if you want to move forward back up. If it's not actively, you know, if it, if it has absolutely nothing to do with people back, you know, if it, I'm probably not articulating it correctly, but tell me if you understood it, if you kind of understood. No, no, I, I understand. Uh, I was actually surprised by the results. Um, it was about 50-50. Mm -hmm. That's not what surprised me. What surprised me is more than half of the 50 that said no were Black. And I was surprised because I, I personally thought a lot of Black, well, the polling was only like, I think, about a thousand people that actually hit. Mm -hmm. um, but I personally don't think that um, black Amer Americans today should. And I mm -hmm. thought, okay, it was going to be me and maybe like a few blacks and then everybody else would have been white. But no. I was like, okay, well, so a lot of people are understanding, you know, my point on that. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like your second point because you were on the fence with it. And mm -hmm. I just look at it like, look, my, my, you know, my mother, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother, my, you know, like three grandmas ago, they, you know, they were enslaved, maybe four or five. So mm -hmm. what they went through, it's not that it's not hurting me now, but the person that should have gotten it is already it's not, gone. Exactly, exactly. You know? So, so does it really it's like, No, does it, really it doesn't. And I look at it this way. If you guys are going to, like, try to in some way shape or form find those people that are entitled to it like if you kept records which america did mm -hmm. um then okay if you're if you're saying you're gonna put aside x amount of dollars right mm -hmm. and you only found legitimately 200 people you're not you know you're not gonna give that particular amount of dollars to 200 people whatever money's left over if you're gonna say you're gonna give it back to black community then okay but that's not gonna happen so you know what i washed my hands of it let mm -hmm. it go it's in the past forget it exactly no, yeah it, it just it doesn't yeah it just doesn't make sense at this point honestly um i know there are a couple of cases though where um there there's i'm probably going off topic honestly because i'm thinking about um you know because you, you did mention that uh you know having some type of you know justice within the system for african americans which is definitely a lack of um you know especially in certain cases where there have been you know lynchings of certain um individuals and you know 
to, to this day, their their killers, um, you know, are on the loose. And we even they've come out and said, hey, look, this happened way back during slavery. And even though um, it wasn't right at the time, I did say I did lie on this individual and he is, you know, they did lynch him. And, you know, that person is not in jail They're They haven't been, um, you know, reprimanded and they're just going free compared to less lesser crimes you know other, other african-americans are committing and they're spending life in prisons which you know it really doesn't it, it makes no sense there's no justice for the system at all that i'm not sure if you or anyone noted um that they actually legally just made slavery um you know uh, a crime in freaking what this year or either, i think it was either earlier this year or last year this is yeah 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 well, like 2019, 2018, like this shit is crazy. <laughs> There's a lot of laws that we think are gone um, and they're not, you know? And I think um, America keeps it that way, honestly, just to protect the white. You know, yeah. just, just in case something happens and they, they get a little cushion. I think that's what it is. But, mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's fine. Why, you know, uh, people put things in books because they know black people aren't going to read them. Mm-hmm. They're mistaken. A lot of black millennials that are having children are sitting there saying, yeah, don't listen to anything that's in school. Here's a book written by one of us with actual mm-hmm. information. You read that. That's what I do with my children. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. People don't realize that. Knowledge really is power. You you find out so much if you just pick up a book, pick up the book and read the book. Okay, it's it's you'll there, there's wonders. I know for me when I was um, back in school, like even when I was like high school, college, I I loved my history classes. Like any um, courses that I took in history, I loved it because it, it opened my eyes to so many things that I didn't you know I didn't know. And then um, you know, even coming back to now, you, you'll realize that history literally repeats itself. Everything is literally just a different character. That's all. But it's mm-hmm. different, different, um, different people. Tell me about it, girl. Next question. Do you believe Black women provide enough support to Black men? I Honestly, I really do. I feel like black men don't support uh, provide support to <laughs> black women, though. And uh, you're, you're laughing, but I'm so serious. Uh, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I said, no, it's because I had a podcast uh, episode where I was, um, there was this Essence magazine, mm-hmm. and it was saying why black men found it very difficult to approach black women. And one of their reasons was because black women did not support them like women from you know other countries or other ethnicities rather and i was like what well, that's not right <laughs> that sound that's not right it doesn't sound accurate at all i feel like black women are the number one supporters of black men we we never want to see you know our black men fail we never want to see exactly. our black men incarcerated but i don't i didn't barely ever see the support from a black man coming to a black woman. I, I barely see it, honestly, barely. I think, um, and I had said it in my podcast, but it is, is uh, when I read the article, it, I went to detail, it was more so we don't give enough support 
in the initial stages of their career and their education. And that is what I find to be true. Only because I say this, a lot of Black women are raised to be with a stable man, Mm -hmm. you know, that has everything going for them. So we're not taught, okay, you know, um, to build your, exactly, help Mm -hmm. him build. We're taught, all right, you got to find a man that's like this, 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 this already, so that you are not struggling in your relationship. So I think that in itself is accurate. But the everything else that was in that article, I was just like, nah, this is crazy. You know what? But since you you mentioned that, yes, it does make sense because you know, even me growing up, you know, I was always taught, you know, you want to be with somebody that can provide for you. Because at the end of the day, that's right. Men are supposed to be the providers. Women are supposed to be the nurturers. That's that's how not only um, African Americans. I'm pretty sure you know Caucasians and Asians are taught the same exact thing. It's just that mm-hmm. we're in our communities. We're we're different. We come from different. Um, more so in the the African American community, we're not taught about financials. Um, we're not taught. We're not taught anything about investing and saving. And you know, we're more taught about spending and getting rather than in other communities, for instance, like the Jewish community, the Jewish dollar walks and goes around the same Jewish company, um, the same Jewish uh, business, how many different times before it actually um, leaves the community, rather than the minute, you know, you know, someone in the African American community makes a dollar, it um, automatically goes out, you know, and it, nine times out of 10, exactly, nine times out of 10 is either going into the Jewish community or in the Asian community. And um, I think that's where the problem comes from. It's because from young, we're really not taught all of these things. Yeah. I mean, another thing is generational wealth. We're mm-hmm. not taught that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, to buy property and, and it's not even about the buying property that we're not taught. We're taught like, okay, you want to get a house. Mm-hmm. You know, our grandparents had houses. But we are not taught on how to go about it. You know, it's always being told what to do, mm-hmm. but never the how. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's the issue within um, our community. We're not giving our children the how and know hows to go about doing things. Mm-hmm. It's always do this, do this, do this, do this. And I'm like, how are you going to tell me to do something if you're not going to tell me how to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I feel about that? Because I, I I definitely agree with you. Um, but I feel like it's more towards uh it's it's more that goes into that as well. For instance, you know, we live we live up north. So up north people don't predominantly, you know, buy things, we mostly rent things because it's more affordable to rent in hindsight though. It's really not at the end of the day. If you, you can invest money into a home and end up paying less in mortgage than you are paying in rent, um, depending on where you live in New York, New Jersey area, and especially since New Jersey is becoming New York, it's just like, yeah. But um, I go down south every you know few months, and literally every black person that I've encountered owns a home. Every single one is so beautiful. It's really beautiful. And they don't really think about you know the designer aspect of things rather than when you come back up north, you're like, it's like 360, you know, people rather, you know, rent their, you know, their little apartments and they're talking about how much rent costs, but at the same time, they're talking about, you know, the new designer bag and shoes that they want to buy. So it's, you know, I feel like it has a lot to do with um, geographics, where you are, because 
people instilled things differently from, you know, the African-Americans down south are completely different from the ones up north. Two different mindsets. That's, that's very true in regards to, I guess, like, down south, things are a little bit more slower paced. But at the end of the day, within the black community, the dollar saves six days, not six days, six hours, I mean. Mm -hmm. And in the Jewish community, it's 20 days. And in mm -hmm. the white community, it's 17 days. So it's, it's we're not being taught the, the know-how at mm -hmm. the end of the day. We're not being taught, you know, how to save, like you said. We're not being taught, like I, like, I'm saying generational wealth. Mm -hmm. We're not being taught the financial principles that are needed, mm -hmm. you know, um, to help build our community and build, you know, the next generation and so on and so forth. So it's not, I don't see it as up north is one way and down no. south is another way because when you look at it, when they crunch the numbers, they're crunching the numbers in total. Oh. So we can't, you know, separate north, south, east. West, mm -hmm. we have to look at it as a whole. Um, and because if we were to dissect it, we could dissect it again and dissect Caribbeans, Africans from Africa, Blacks compared to African Americans. And me, I'm from a Caribbean background, and things are instilled in us. They do instill, like, you know, um, generational wealth. They do instill, you know, um, learning how to save and all that at a very, very young age. So if we wanted to dissect it even more, we could do it that way, but there's no sense, you know, like really doing mm -hmm. that. I, don't, I agree on that. What do Black community and um, Black culture mean to you? Um, so for me, Black culture is, you know, uh, uh, a combination of the support Black, black people give one another. Um, you know, the, the things we all individually and collectively have going on. That's, you know, how we inspire one another. That's, you know, that's Black culture for me. Um, I love seeing, you know, Black people create things, invent things, and then, you know, bring awareness to it, not only to ourselves, but to, you know, other cultures around us, um, adjacent to us, indirectly. You know, because now we're getting, we're allowing, you know, other, excuse me, other cultures and other races to learn about us rather than we constantly always learning about them. So that's, that's Black culture for me, you know, it's a combination of inspiration, a combination of support, a combination of overall just, um, you know, Black people in general just coming coming together and enlightening one another. I like it. I like it. So if you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? Ooh. You know what's so funny? That was the one question I was trying to I was like, hmm, these are all beautiful questions. Um, I feel like I kind of, you know, I don't think, honestly, I really don't think there was like one question you probably didn't ask me. Um, you know, whether it was outside of Everyday Girl and within Everyday Girl. Um, you know what? One question um, regarding Everyday Girl that you didn't ask me. So um, one thing, uh, actually it's two questions, like I say. So for, you know, everyone, they know that as of right now, you guys know that 
you know, we work with different nonprofit organizations, but we also, we work with um, a new nonprofit every six months. So that means we're working with two nonprofit organizations every year, um, and we're definitely open to suggestions. So if you have a nonprofit organization that you feel like, or that you're working with, that you feel like, you know, you'll definitely love to have um, some help with, whether it is, you know, um, of course, we're going to help, you know, with some of the funding of the programs that you have going on, but also like awareness and getting people, you know, out there to know more about your organization, and your brand. That's definitely something that you can also, you know, reach out to us about um, on our contact page on the um, on our website. Definitely let us know. We'll definitely be, you know, more than happy, you know, once taking a look over everything to see if we can work, um, work with that organization. Um, another thing is, all of our, you know, our items are definitely, you know, priced reasonably. Um, the most expensive thing that we ever have um, is $30. And um, we constantly are always, you know, we're always having a sale. So we, you know, you might not even spend $30 if you catch a good sale, you know. So, um, yeah, those are definitely two questions that, you know, you didn't ask that the most that, that, I, that I'm telling you about. <laughs> No problem, of course. This is your time to let us know what's going on with your company, your brand, and anything new that's happening. So I love that you had something that I didn't get to touch on. So Renee, thank you so much for joining me today on Shoot Street Styles by Angie Marie. It was a pleasure. Thank you uh, so much. You know any, of course, you're welcome, darling. If you want to know more about Everyday Girls, uh, Renee, where can they catch you again? So um, social media, so Instagram and Facebook um, at Everyday Girl uh, Cosmetics, online at E-D as in dog, G as in girl, spell out the word cosmetics.com.